0: If you do or ever have participated in any of the classes I facilitate, like SOCM, which is a live in-person class, or the New Testament, uh, the NT Wright Zoom classes I've been doing, which are live online classes, then you know that I always start the class with a time of worship, most usually a worship video that may speak topically to what we are studying, but mostly... And I usually state this in order to disconnect from the pressures of the day and refocus on Jesus. Right? It's good to do that, isn't it? And, you know, you can do that. You can do that at any time during the day. You know, if things start to mess up your head, just stop. Put in a set of earphones or something, you know, turn on some worship music. Break away from the, from the mundane of the world and focus on Jesus for a little while. And I guess we do a similar thing on Sunday mornings or at the start of small group meetings or gatherings. We inevitably start with a time of worship, right? Like we just did. Maybe three or four songs, about 20 to 30 minutes of singing and playing instruments, of connecting prophetically with the Holy Spirit, looking for directives, or just his presence, just his presence. Hey, how's your mom doing? Okay, quick, run up here and tell us about Bonnie Hill. No, don't start talking till you get here. All of you who know Bonnie Hill online.
1: I'm so excited to tell you all that she's coming home today. On, on Tuesday, she wa- called me, and I thought she was drunk. She um, was losing so much blood that... She was about to pass out. So um, I quickly um, drove to the house uh, at 45 miles per hour. God blessed me with no cops. (laughs) And um, went to the house, saw that she was pale and white and yellow. And at death's door, 911 arrived. Finally, took her, took her to Laconia, then took her to Concord, gave her a pl- blood transfusion and um, a new heart valve. And now she is sprung like a chicken. She is jumping and bouncing and praising the Lord like she usually does. So she's coming home today. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
0: So that's family, right? That's family in the church. You, Those of you online who, you know, at a distance from us and never hung out with us on a Sunday, this is just what happens. When family steps in, we connect with that. All right? So we're really excited because it looked pretty bad for Bonnie earlier in the week. Anyways, where was I? So... Uh, we're looking for the directors or just his presence, and all of that is awesome and impacting, right? Absolutely awesome and impacting. But is that, in fact, all that worship is? And if it isn't, is it kind of a cheap shot at trying to find favor with God? I mean, four songs plus 30 minutes once or twice a week to, to the God who gave his all, so that we could worship him in spirit and in truth with a freedom of heart and soul unknown. Now take, take this into consideration, unknown to any other group of people ever to be called the people of God. Nobody ever has been able to worship God like the Church of Jesus Christ is able to worship God in spirit and in truth. Is that all he gets? Is that all he wants? What does it really mean to worship God? Is worship an act or an activity? According to the Westminster uh, Shorter Catechism, man's chief end, the reason you exist, is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Right? You want a calling on your life? You just got it. Glorify God and enjoy him forever. And the scriptures affirm this as truth and encourages us to do so. 1 Peter 4.10 As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied or manifold, that is, multicolored grace. Whoever speaks... Speak as one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves, serve as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. In order that in everything, in order, whatever you do in order, that in everything, God may be glorified. It's your chief function through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. And everyone says... Amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, So whatever, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. One of the ways we bring glory to God is by exalting his name. And the exaltation of the name of God, Jesus, is in and of itself worship. Psalm 99.5 says, Exalt the Lord our God, Worship at his footstool. Holy is he. We can do deduce from these verses that even our mundane activities, something as basic and essential as eating, can bring him glory and honor and praise, which is worship. So, where did worship as a means of glorifying God have its start? So utilizing the law of first reference, we discover some very interesting facts. So the law of first mention or first reference is this, simply means that the very first time any important word is mentioned in the Bible, and usually of course, it is in Genesis, the first book of the Bible, scripture gives that word its most complete and accurate meaning to not only serve as a key in understanding the word's biblical concept, but to also provide a foundation for its fuller development in later parts of the Bible. Bible scholars and theologians use this method when studying the scriptures. So what does it say about worship? The word worship is first found in Genesis 22 in the story of Abraham and Isaac. Genesis 22, 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. Now, let, let me just pause there and, and ask you, don't you think that's a, a strange request? I mean, in light of what we learn about God and his thoughts on human sacrifice later on, right? Don't you think it's odd that it asked him to do that? I, I, I'm going to show you A little bit later on, an answer to that, okay, and why he did that, and why it's not as odd as it might appear. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering, and he arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship. I and the boy will go over there and worship. This is the first time the word worship is found in the scriptures. And come to you again. Hmm. Dad's been a little off lately. Hmm? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Now, Mount Moriah is the same place that Solomon's temple was built as a house of worship some 1,400 years later. So here is God's baseline view of what worship looks like. And you might notice that there is no mention of keyboards, no guitars or drums, no choirs, no lineup of attractive young singers backing up a handsome lead singer. (laughs) <laughs> but what you will see, if you have eyes to see, is an acting out in type and shadow of the greatest act of worship ever performed. And the key to understanding what is happening here is much more defined in the King James version of Genesis twenty-two eight, which we quoted in the ESV version as Abraham said God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. Now in order to grasp what I'm about to show you, you must understand the Abrahamic covenant. God met Abraham on the side of Mount Hermon and cut covenant with him. Cut covenant. Now that that is a particular Particular phraseology used for this specific type of covenant. Okay, the covenant is found in Genesis 12 and is known as the Brit Bien Habiterium, the covenant between the parts. See, something was cut, animals, and it is the basis for the Brit Milah, the covenant of circumcision in Judaism. Now this was a common covenant practice in the ancient Middle East. Two parties would provide animals for sacrifice and at the setting of the sun, they would slaughter them, split them in two and lay them out. They'd open them up and lay them out, okay? And by lamplight, the two parties would walk through the body parts and recite their agreement with the understanding that if either party failed to keep the covenant the other party was entitled to retribution as indicated by the slaughtered animals that they were walking through may god do this to and more if i fail to keep this covenant may god do this to me and more if I fail to keep this covenant, and they're walking through the middle of slain animal bodies. Okay? Pretty strong covenant. Okay? This is the covenant that's going on between Abraham and God. Mm-hmm. So here's the thing. In the account of God and Abraham cutting covenant, Abraham slaughters and prepares all the animals, lays them out, and waits for God. But God, but God, puts Abraham into a deep sleep and walks through the animals alone, taking the full burden of the covenant on himself. And so the King James Version of Abraham's response to Isaac's question lines up perfectly with his understanding of God's covenant grace. The King James says, Genesis 22, 8, and Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. And so we see Isaac carrying the wood that he will eventually be bound to, just as Jesus would carry the wooden cross that he would be bound to. We sense an almost indifferent attitude on the part of Abraham as he holds the knife to slay his son. And I can only think of Jesus' cry to the Father, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Hebrews eleven seventeen gives us a bit of clarity in talking about Abraham. He says, By faith Abraham, when he was tried, when he was tested by God offered up Isaac, and he that had received the promises, the covenant, offered up his only begotten son. Where have we heard that? Right? Of whom it was said that in Isaac shall thy seed be called, accounting that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from whence also he received him as a figure So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut the wood for the burnt offering, and he arose, and he went to the place that God had told him, and on the third day, and on the third day. And when you meld these scriptural nuances together, you can only come to the hermeneutical conclusion that in Abraham's heart and mind, based on his covenant commitment to obey the voice of God, that Isaac was already dead from the moment he left for Mount Moriah, and that Abraham counted Isaac, his only begotten son, dead for three days while he traveled from his camp To Mount Moriah for three days, as far as Abraham was concerned, it was done. His son was dead. But on the third day, he arrives in God's purposes and God's will. And for Abraham, as for the women going to the tomb of Jesus, the third day had become the first day. Isaac, as the sacrifice of Abraham's worship, became a foreshadow of the resurrection of the Son of God, where God provided himself a lamb, the Lamb of God. One last thing here that we cannot afford to miss is the other item that Abraham, as representing the Father, holds in his hand. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. He took in his hand the fire. He took in his hand the fire the Holy Spirit bearing witness in anticipation of Pentecost and the knife. And so they went both together. Nonetheless, not my will, but yours be done. Worship. Worship. The activity of worship. Worship, an act or an activity. What do we learn from this? As far as worship is concerned, we learn that worship is not so much what we do with our lips. Our instruments, flags, dance, or our words of praise and worship, although each of these is an expression of worship, real scriptural worship has its focus on what we do with our lives in obedience to his will. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as what? Living sacrifices, holy and acceptable. What does that word holy mean there? Set aside. Set aside for God's purpose. Holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is the good and acceptable and perfect worship. Reminding ourselves of these things helps us to move away from the easy tendency to see worship as something that happens in a half hour slot at the beginning of a service. It also takes our focus from musical performance and back towards God. Only the Holy Spirit can search our hearts, and so cultivating, carving out, creating a space for this to happen is vital. Wherever and whenever that is, when worship becomes the time slot or a performance, It also becomes a chore, a mere means to an end. But powerful worship lives in the moment, every moment, in the now moment. Hebrews 3, 7 says this, Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, today, if you hear his voice, today, if you hear his voice, today, if you hear his voice, voice, do not harden your hearts. Powerful worship is creative, spontaneous, planned, still, noisy, messy, might involve paints, clay, a walk below the night sky in prayer for someone, or a towel around your waist to wash someone else's feet. Whatever form it takes, true worship, worship that touches God's heart, and makes him smile, will always be in spirit and in truth and obedience. John 14, 15 through 18, this is Jesus speaking. If you love me, do you love him? If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever Even the Holy Spirit, even the fire, even the fire, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. the spirit of truth. Obedience enables true worship to form in us by making space through love for the abiding presence of the spirit, the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, to become the active agent for all forms of expressive worship. I want to quote Jesus as my closing scripture, and as I do, I ask you, Holy Spirit, to come and impact our hearts and minds with the realization of the paradigm shift that has occurred in the realm of worship and the freedom and power that lifestyle worship offers us as your sons and daughters. Quoting Jesus to a lonely, distraught, and outcast woman at a well but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such people. I let that sink in a minute. The Father is seeking such people. We come in here, we think we're doing something looking for God, he's already here looking for us. He's in your home looking for you. He's in the car looking for you. He's at your workplace. He's, Believe it or not, he's at Walmart <laughs> looking for you. Wherever you go, he's already there looking for you. And what is he looking for you for? For worship. That in obedience, he will find you doing what he asks you to do, and he will receive that as high worship. The Father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Are you a worshiper? A laid out on the altar, spirit and truth, I surrender, worshiper, today. If not, do you desire to be? If you do, then right where you are, whether you're here or you're in your home, wherever you are, I'm going to ask you to just stand up and lift your hands up in surrender and in a posture of receptivity. And I'm going to pray for the Holy Spirit, the fire of God, the spirit of truth to come and to just birth in each one of us the spirit of worship, so that you won't need a guitar playing. You won't need music in the background. You'll just need to worship, to live your life in obedience to Jesus. Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you come right now? Lord, to each one in this room, to each one, uh, viewing from their homes, from their living rooms, from wherever they might be, oh God. Whether there's little uh, groups that have gotten together to to watch this live stream or a lonely individual uh, in their home, Holy Spirit, would you come to them this morning? The Spirit of God is coming you, to you this morning uh, to imbue you with a heart of worship. Come, Holy Spirit. Just receive. Just receive the presence of the Holy Spirit. The Father has the fire in his hand. Jesus calls it the promise of the Father. And it was poured out, poured out on the day of Pentecost for the church. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they were all filled again with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, would you come? Teach us the truth about worshiping in spirit and truth. That we might bring glory through Jesus Christ to the Father of lights. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Go and worship the Lord in everything you do. Amen.